In this episode, we focus on Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 11 through 17. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this season, Tim Dunn and Joey Willis walk through the book of Ecclesiastes, verse by verse, discussing what is being revealed about the nature of God, our world, and our most adequate response to it. Grab your Bible, some note-taking supplies, and pull up the BibleSays.com commentary on Ecclesiastes as we take a deep dive into the deep truths of Ecclesiastes. Rich with humility and hope, uncertainty and purpose, mystery and faith, this book is sure to challenge your perspective on what it means to live life well. Verses 11 through 13. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to do evil. Although a sinner does evil a hundred times and may lengthen his life, still I know that it will be well for those who fear God, who fear him openly. But it will not be well for the evil man, and he will not lengthen his days like a shadow, because he does not fear God. Well, and here's the judgment right here. <laughs> it's this... This is, uh, you know, you, you can wrap yourself in a cloak of moral authority all you want to. You st- in the day of judgment, all things will become clear. Uh, there's not going to be excuses. There's not going to be rationales. The, whatever cloak you brought in is not going to work. But you don't have to wait until the judgment day for evil to have a negative manifestation on you. It, it's going to eat your soul, and even if you do live a long time, you're not really living. You know, you're going. You're not living in peace. You're living with. Uh, you're living with angst. We we often talk about the difference between um, instant gratification and delayed gratification, and how uh, giving into our fleshly appetites is often an exercise of instant gratification. It's a bit of a just like dopamine hit. It's a rush. And they're very, very kind of quick. And we need another one. As, as you said with a different example earlier, we just need over and over again. We need them. Whereas so much of what we're talking about here in Ecclesiastes and within the kingdom of God is an exercise in delayed gratification, storing up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy. So what Solomon is saying in verse 11 particularly is that, like, look, the the instant gratification uh, prolongs the revealing of the destruction. And so you feel for a minute, it feels good, you know? I, I uh, say something biting and angry towards somebody who's offended me. That feels good for just a second at least. At least. It might feel good for a long time. Uh, but the the peace that is lacking is slow sometimes to reveal itself. So when we talk about, you know, the gratification issue of time delayed and, and instant, there's also that element of, uh, of difficulty, pain, uh, struggle. There, there's a struggle, an instant struggle with being patient. There's an instant struggle with choosing the way of the Spirit. Uh, there's an instant kind of suffering that comes with it. Um, the reward is later on. So the flip version of that with wickedness is that it might feel good for a second, 
but that delayed suffering is coming and it's coming tenfold. And it says it will be well for those who fear God and fear him openly. Now, again, this, this idea of fearing God is, you know, caring what God sees, caring what God thinks. It's the same word that's used when Adam and Eve were aware of their nakedness and feared God to see them because God's going to judge. God's going to. We ultimately should be more concerned about what God thinks than anybody else. But what God wants us to do is live in such a way that we fear him, care what he thinks most, openly, so other people can see it. And this is this is repeated in the New Testament, like um, let's say John 15, when it says, if you abide in the vine, live the way I want you to live, live in the spirit. You glorify the Father. Glory means to an essence being seen by someone. So God's essence is now being seen by others through you. And this is the same idea here. What God wants us to do is take his direction and live it openly. And, of course, the, all of Ecclesiastes is saying that's ultimately, like you were just saying, that's, that's actually the path to life. That's how you take Hebel and make sense of it because now you're walking by faith saying, if this is, this is my best, it's in the process, it's in the journey, it's being faithful along the way, it's enjoying what I have rather than trying to have my joy based in what I don't have. All those things, that's, that's the path that I want to actually walk openly. And that's where, that's where really life uh, lies. Well, it, it says explicitly, it will be well for, for those who fear God. It, this is what is in your best self-interest. When everybody around you is uh, blame-shifting or cursing or, or, or fighting for me, it doesn't feel like it's in your best interest to not participate in that. But what this is saying is it is. Fearing God, loving God, trusting God is what's in your best interest. And that's, that's where the Hebel, coming back to how do you handle the Hebel, if we trust God over our own senses, really, uh, we have this, this way. If we trust ourselves and take it into our own hands, we end up with total futility and madness. And you can believe it or not, Solomon says, but this is it. Exactly. This is reality. This is the way it is. So you can either embrace it or you can ignore it. With all the mystery and uncertainty of life, it leaves you with two options moving forward. Trust God and put your hope in the fact that he's God or just drift into madness and demand to fight with your mind and spirit against reality. When we get to Proverbs, he states things more concretely. And this is pretty poetic. And he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. (laughs) And that's how how you get a good way instead of a bad way. Verses 14 through 15. There is futility which is done on the earth. That is, there are righteous men to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. On the other hand, there are evil men to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I say that this too is futility, so I commended pleasure. For there is nothing good for a man under the sun except to eat and to drink and be merry. And this will stand by him in his toils throughout the days of his life, which God has given him under the sun. So the ultimate example of this is Jesus. I mean, he was 
the most righteous man. He only spoke what was true. He only did what was in the best interest of other people. Uh, he never did anything wrong, and he was convicted as a blasphemer and killed. The ultimate negative act for the ultimate righteous life. And sometimes that happens. And First Peter 3 is actually a book about unjust suffering. It's unjust suffering in marriage. It's unjust suffering in family. It's unjust suffering in employment. And it kind of pinnacles by saying, you know, anytime you get unjust suffering, like just like for being righteous, if you're living this righteous life and you suffer unjustly, you should be glad because you're actually following the path that Jesus followed. And what it ultimately results in is your benefit. But again, that requires faith. And this is, we're making sense of Hebel again, the, vap- the vaporous realities of life. But this is not, a, this is not an easy one to swallow, this, yeah. this one. It's, uh, it is, but it's not easy to swallow. This takes a lot of faith. Yeah, and I think it's the real heart of, of the book of Ecclesiastes. It, it, it's saying, it's addressing outcomes in verse 14. It says, sometimes you will act rightly and you will get an unjust outcome. No good deed goes unpunished. Right. Why, why, why is that a saying? Because it happens and people see it over and over again. <laughs> and that's what this is saying here. Your righteousness isn't about the outcomes. Right. Your righteousness is about the process. And it's really interesting in verse 15. So I commend pleasure. If you guys, if you'll remember, if our readers or listeners will remember, in chapter 2 he says, I test myself with pleasure to see if I find any good, and it ends up being futile, right? Uh, yeah. What's different here? The difference here is that he is commending the process of enjoying God's world rather than the outcome, pleasurable outcomes as the end, end in and of themselves. And, and he said that a little later of if we have the faith to enjoy the process and the work that we have, that's actually where contentment comes, enjoying, not, not enjoying an outcome. If you try to get, you know, buildings and concubines and all that as an outcome to trust in, it doesn't work. But if you just pay attention, enjoy what is along the way. So here, here we are in the pro, even in the process of being treated unjustly, there's things to grab onto to enjoy. Right. right. And, yeah. and you can see that. Uh, I mean, you can be in the process of un- injustice and still enjoy your companionship with your spouse or a conversation with someone. Um, C.S. Lewis uh, said um, a cup of tea with a, with a friend can be like a touch with eternity if, you, if, you're, if you're looking at it the right way. Mm-hmm. And that's just those small pleasures, grasping those. I wonder if C.S. Lewis got this from here. You know, these mm-hmm. small pleasures in life, when we grab those, we're actually, we're actually, we're actually grabbing the reality of eternity there. And when we take pleasure in the process and in the learning and trying and even the suffering, it says here it will stand by him even in his toil, even in the difficulty. It's possible to be thankful. It's possible to be merry. It's possible to to be glad, to be pleasurable, to enjoy life. The Bible says rejoice in your sufferings, which sounds like such an oxymoron to us. I wonder, James, James says in his epistle, count it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials. The fact he says brethren tells you he's talking to believers there. Um, you know, these guys were all Jewish. They, they, 
probably in their upbringing had to memorize Ecclesiastes and everything else in the Bible. <laughs> um, yeah, I, w- I wonder if he had this in mind when he said this. You know, he, he uses uh, the hebel wisp of vapor as a lifetime thing. That seems to come from Ecclesiastes too. I wonder if this was a part of his influence when he said that. Sure could have been. Finishing up with 16 and 17. When I gave my heart to know wisdom and to see the task which had been done on the earth, even though one should never sleep day and night, and I saw every work of God, I concluded that man cannot discover the work which has been done under the sun. Even though man should seek laboriously, he will not discover. And though the wise man should say, I know, he cannot discover. Well, our our scientists are discovering this and... <laughs> In spades now. Uh, the more they dig in, the more they, the more puzzles mm-hmm. that they find, mm-hmm. and we have probably the most information that's been generated in the history of the world by many, many fold, and most technology by many, many fold, and the most knowledge by many, many fold. And where are we? Nobody knows anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's it, it's uh, talking about the how Hebel's often translated as vanity. There, there's always this element, I think, of arrogance when we sort of laugh at how people used to think the world was flat or, or, or any number of things like that, right? How the the science of, of a certain day had something that we have discovered to be totally false. Because guess what? That's going to happen to us. Mm-hmm. It's, happened, it's happening in real time. We're, things are, are constantly changing. They seem less absurd to us because of of uh, how close we are to it. But, you know, uh, Pluto was a planet when I was a kid. Like these things, <laughs> these things happen, happen quickly. Um, and I think that we have this kind of idea that, well, we've progressed uh, way further than people are in the past. And that's true, I guess, to a, to a degree. But the other, the other side of that coin is that we're also wrong about a whole bunch of things we don't realize that we're, that we're wrong about. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Oh, wait, it's better to skip breakfast. Uh, eggs are terrible for you. Oh, wait, eggs are good for you. Um, and the, the ultimate one, really, is um, the world made itself. You know, mm, really? Is that really? Uh, well, no, when we dig in, we find out that's mathematically impossible. So now the latest theory is, well, it's clear the universe couldn't have made itself, but there's a universe-making machine somewhere that has made an infinite number of universes, and that will make the probability that this universe, well, that means that machine has to be fine. Who made the machine? You know, you, you just keep kicking it backwards. And, you know, science, science can, science can exp- explain some things. Well, really, si- what science has become is a describer. It has given up being an explainer. Uh, what gravity? Gravity is not an explanation. Nobody has the slightest clue what gravity is. They just know there's a relationship between big things that they tend to pull on each other. That's it. It's a description. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what it is. Uh, nobody knows what light is. We can describe it, even though they say it's a particle and a wave. Even though that's impossible, so it's paradoxical. We can describe the electromagnetic wave. We can't explain it. And, and that's kind of where we are. We, we now know in spades that you can explore, 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 and you, you're going to find out how little you know. One of, one of Kylie's favorite moments, I think, 
through our infertility journey was when I watched a YouTube video about the just the pregnancy process or or like just yeah. how conception yeah basically. the conception I'm sorry the conception process just like what happens from sperm to egg mm-hmm. and I'm watching this thing and and I'm I'm fascinated because I I didn't realize just how many Thing. And then how can Frodo it ever, going can to it ever happen? Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. The scientific explanation itself says, and then something happens that we don't know why, and and it triggers this. And I mean, it's just. And there were six or seven times like that. To yeah. to your point, Tim, where it was way more of a description than an explanation. Yeah. It was like, no idea what's going on, but but this seems to be what happens at this time during the process, and we don't know what causes it. We don't know how to. The woman's body like recognizes this. It's time to do this thing, but somehow it does, and, and then the next thing uh, continues forward. So. We have Martins uh, at our place. We have three Martin houses, and Martin is a, a migratory swallow that goes like from Canada to Mexico or some crazy thing. Little bird. How do they know? I mean, the birds are born and then they take off. How do they know? Who programmed that in there? You know? Well, they can describe it but nobody can explain it. They call it intuition or uh, instinct. They call it instinct. C.S. Lewis pointed that out. The word instinct means we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. It just happens. We don't know. Well, that what that ought to do is tell us, hey, it's Hebel. It's Hebel. It can't be explained. But, you know, what, what does that lead us to? Does it lead us to despair because we realize how small we are and we give up? Uh, and life doesn't matter, well, that's one road. Or does it lead us to say, you know, what that means is somebody made me. Somebody made all of this. There's a reason behind it. There's a purpose behind it. I'm going to discover my purpose in the journey, and I'm going to have faith in the one that made me that there's a reason and a purpose, and and that being had my best interest at heart. And that's what Solomon's, that's two paths. It's a binary choice. One leads to despair, and the other leads to gladness and fulfillment. You pick. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.